This episode of Dungeon Crawlers Radio is brought to you by Gamers Inn, where adventure begins. Check out their website at gamersinlehigh.com. It's time. Time to power up. Power up. Autobots, roll out. Broadcasting live from the DCR studio. Oh, yeah. The Geek Revolution starts here. Excellent! Get ready for the number one hit geek radio show out there. Well, it is impressive, isn't it? Because it's time for Dungeon Crawlers Radio. Radio and uh, yeah, it's been super busy. Not only have we had uh, Solid Comic Con Fan X, we've also just finished LTUE, Life, the Universe, and Everything here in uh, Provo, Utah, which is an amazing writer symposium. We got to you know, talk with several great uh, authors Dan Welch, Steve Diamond, Larry Correa, Tracy Hickman, John Brown, uh, J. Scott Savage, and the list continues to go on and on and on. And I thought we met a lot of great people that we'll, uh, we're going to be rolling out uh, interviews for that we've been able to arrange. And some really big, cool stuff uh, has recently happened. So uh, we'll talk about more about that as that starts developing. And, uh, you know, last week was so crazy and so busy. Uh, we didn't have a show for Monday or Thursday. So we do apologize about that. We have not missed a show in uh, over five years, to be honest. Uh, so I, we greatly apologize about that. Things just got super busy and crazy. Uh, we had uh, most of the team out everywhere else, and uh, it just got missed. So again, we apologize about that, uh, but we were out at LTUE. Um, but the best part about that, uh, this was the episode we were going to roll out to everyone uh, last week, but we didn't get the chance to, and again, we apologize, but... Um, we did try to have a show a few weeks back with uh, author Michael Brent and due to some some conflicts and some issues that Michael Brent was having, uh, we didn't get to catch him on the show, but I was able to track down the amazing Michael Brent, uh, sit down and talk with him about his new book, Twisted, and that is what we are bringing to you uh, right now. So uh, with that said, here is the illustrious, the amazing, the golden baby child, Tucker himself, Author Michael Brent. All right, this is uh, Reverend with Dungeon Radio, and ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, everyone, I have found the missing Michael Brent. That's right. <laughs> we had a show. He disappeared. We have no clue what happened. Some space anomaly opened in the fabric of time. I placed you in a low priority. That's different. We got placed in a low priority, yet he contacted us for the interview. Awesome. No, just kidding. <laughs> So uh, I found him at uh, Salt Lake Comic Con Fan X. He's agreed to come back on the show because he owes us, as he's put it, which means thousands upon thousands of golden babies for all of our listeners. I'm going to give you a hot oil massage, and we'll call it even. (laughs) (laughs) I have no reply to that one. Wow. I know you're thinking, where is he going to get hot oil? And how how do you massage hot oil? I'm totally confused. Uh, well, I know how you massage with oil, but hot oil, uh, that's, uh, that's burning, searing flesh. 
I'm a redhead. The sun. It isn't love unless it hurts. That's true. <laughs> That's what my parents told me. <laughs> no wonder. That's why you write horror novels. Yeah. Well, you know, my mother's sister sat me down one day and said, son, brother, you need to write scary stuff because out here in Arkansas, we have taught you what pain is. Come here for a kiss slap. I hope my mom doesn't listen to this. <laughs> oh, I can't wait. The phone call. I um, I just listened to Dungeon Crawler's radio. Um, that was a very interesting comment you made about me. You are in so much trouble, and now I will slap you. <laughs> I'm in, you know, I'm a fully grown man, and she still slaps me anytime I get too uppity. I was I was married with a with a brand new baby, and she's like, "You need to get away from the baby. I'll pay for a hotel. You know, we're newly ish married." Pay for your hotel. You go sleep somewhere, and I and I called my wife a really dirty name that was an inside joke, and my wife or my mom just c- rolls around and backhands me, and I, I seriously wanted to punch my mom in the face because like I'm going, mom, I'm a grown man. The whole point of this is I have a baby, and you're still spanking me. What the heck is that all about? I did not hit her. The happy ending is, but she and I had some words about boundaries between sons who have already sired offspring and the offspring that have moved away from the home themselves. <laughs> I've had that conversation. Yeah. <laughs> it's really, really it's awkward. awkward yeah. But I- it's like, okay, I have my own kid. Yeah. I'm married. I have my own house. I am going to punch you. And <laughs> you're going to hit me? What? Yeah. yeah. Or, or oh. ooh, yay, phone. Yeah, or there's the the weird one where you're visiting and staying, and you have a curfew. Yes. <laughs> so sorry. You're fine. Oh man, it's my mom calling. Awesome. Oh, she heard it. The vibes came across. All right. Hopefully, it was a bus out, so she went away. Sorry about that. No, you're fine. And yes, so. We can still move on. <laughs> the great thing about audio, we can edit. Yes. <laughs> so unlike video, that would have been weird. No. So you have a new book out, yeah. which is Twisted, right? Yeah. Okay. So explain that book. Well, it's about, if you've ever seen those creepy Victorian pictures with the dead kids in them, uh, it starts, it's about a guy in the Victorian period who, had, who took those pictures, and he wanted to ensure a very steady supply of models. So you do the math. You need a steady supply of dead kids to take your pictures. You're going to go out and whack some kids. And 200 years later, a nice family has moved into his house with children who are just the right age to wake up a ghost who is interested in children who are just the right age. Um, and so it's a really scary haunted house story that weaves in some psychological stuff. Um, a lot of my books deal with, I mean, they're scary and they're horrific on their face, but they also deal with with questions like, uh, or themes of substance abuse and child abuse and, and, and things that are real world, things that are real world questions. So this one is um, about child abuse and about its the ramifications that it carries across generations and, and the devastation it can wreak upon lives. So it's a ghost story, but it's a ghost story with meaning. It's, the, it's like a lifetime movie with ghosts in it. <laughs> wow, okay. <laughs> I have a slew of questions that are now <laughs> running to my brain, and several of them are don't ask those, don't ask those. You don't want to know the answer. 
where did you come up with this idea of this ghost or person that you know is collecting dead children? Of course, he's knocking them off first. But uh, where in the realm of the the mind of Michael Brent did this come from? I mean, was it just you were watching something and suddenly it sparked it, or what? Well, part of it is just I mean, I see those pictures, you know, and they're scary and. and Back then it was closure and it was nice, and nowadays you look at it and go, that's horrific. And so I wanted to kind of put those thoughts together of a person who was living in that period when it was acceptable and he was doing it for all the wrong reasons, and then having s that stuff brought forward into our time period. Because the thing that's most horrific about it is that it's alien to us, and so we don't do it. You know, it's horrific. We think back and go, ew, yucky, but we're viewing it through our mindset. And so I had to bring someone forward from that period who would do that now. And it wouldn't be a weird serial killer thing like I take pictures of dead babies because that's just grody and that's a different kind of horror. And I'm not saying I'll never write a book about that. But this is a guy that takes those particular pictures and he's doing it for a very specific reason and he's come forward through time. And so I could either make a time portal appear or I could bring through a ghost. And the ghost was a lot more fun um, and again, um, the title Twisted is not just about, you know, this is a messed up book. It's about this, the, the changes that happen in our lives when they are affected by somebody in power who's willing to hurt us. Um, and in this case, it was this ghost who was hurting all these children. And then the father in the story, the, the hero, if you will, he is a child of abuse. His father was abusive and he lives in constant fear of becoming his father, of hurting his kids. So I wanted to write this because I, first of all, because I saw those pictures and my reaction was, ew. Yeah. And that's always a good starting point for a horror story. You know, anything that scares you, you gotta think is gonna have a good chance of scaring other people. And then the more I started kind of blocking out sequences, the more I realized this was not just a story about icky pictures, this was a story about a family that was dealing with something that a lot of families deal with, which is, um, a horrific past event that has reached long, bloody tendrils into their present. Yes, really that's actually interesting. I mean, just because. You're I mean, not usually interesting, but that was actually. No, really no, you you are interesting, <laughs> but no, that, that's a really good point because there is a lot of you know abuse. It's kind of you know we know about it socially and things like that, but it's kind of still hidden in the closet. Yeah. Um, and so this kind of throws that up, you know in our faces as well as you know having a supernatural element to yeah, it so yeah. i mean that's pretty good so now with the kind of moving over to the ghost now do we see a lot of like paranormal activity with the ghost or do we see like subtle things no well it starts out subtle and and then it moves into i mean it's very seriously and very obviously paranormal um which is fun too because there's a lot of the paranormal tropes you sit there and go why didn't these idiots move? You know, it's a haunted house. Get out of it. And, and so that's always fun to work with because that's one of the first things that I tend to do is either block out a reason they can't move or have them move. So in this case, they leave immediately. I mean, not to give it away, but the, the first paranormal thing that happens, and they don't know it's paranormal, is that um, their son's bedroom, you know, they wake up to screaming. And they think, you know, the house is on fire, somebody died, whatever, and they run down, and the son's bedroom is overrun by centipedes, and by overrun, I mean they can't see the floor, ceiling, or walls. Wow. And they have to run and get the boy and get him out, and then they have to tent up the house and leave. 
And it turns out that the centipedes weren't just bugs, they were the harbinger of something much worse that is coming through the little boy's floor. Um, and, but again, they think it's just, a, you know, it's just an invasion of something awful on its face. And when they move to the new house, the things that follow them there are more and more obviously paranormal until it's finally at the point where they go, we're being haunted, we have to seek help. And that's fun too because you get to play with, you know, there's always the seance scene or the Ouija board scene. And instead of it being with like an old lady who knows all, sees all, or an old man who helps them, even though he's crotchety about it, I did it with, there's this kid who's 19 years old and he's got hair that's your color, it's bright red hair and it sticks out in all directions and he works as a bike messenger and he's got my little pony tattoos all over him. And that is the medium that they go to because he sees dead people. Nice. Um, and he, it, he also is a child of abuse. Mm. So everybody in this book is touched by that and, and, and there's a reason that they're all wrapped up in this web together. And it's realized literally the very last page you have this moment of, oh my gosh, this is what just happened. And it's hopefully it's a nice realization. Nice. So now I, I like the centipede things, um, you know, and that there, there always is that question, you know, when you see a horror movie like, you know, Amityville horror, you know, it's like, why aren't you getting out of this house? Yeah, yeah. You know, and it's finally when everything is going, let's say, you know, let's put it the truth, you know, everything is literally going to hell. It's like, okay, we got to get out, and by then it's too late. Right. You know, I like the fact that they do leave, you know, as things are going crazy. So what, you know, what gives the spirit, because, you know, the spirit's coming up, I guess, when they're, they're leaving or entering the, the realm, what allows it or to follow them, I guess? Well, because it's not a poltergeist. Okay. It's a ghost. And in fact, there's a really fun scene, and you know, I hope it's, I'm not spoiling it, but the, when they talk, the, the wife is the one who talks to the medium, and he's like, we can't talk here, we need to go to a safe place. And she follows him, and he goes to a graveyard, and she's like, you're kidding me. This is a safe place. He goes, yeah, it's boring. They don't want to hang around where they've been buried. They can move wherever they want, and this is the last place they want to be, to be reminded of the fact that they're dead. And so, you know, the fact is, he finally has the strength to come out after hundreds of years of kind of gathering it. And he's not confined to a house. He is confined to an idea. And the idea is murdering a certain kind of person. And these kids fit the bill. So he is glomming onto them. It's not that he has inhabited the house. It's that he's inhabited the lives of this family. I like that. Yeah. Because there's a lot of, you know, at least in the paranormal world, a lot of people believe they're tied to an object or a place. Yeah. So I like that fact that he's tied to a mission or an idea. Uh, so that's really interesting. So, um, you know, as well as, you know, when you were talking about the graveyard, first thing that came to my mind is, oh, it's a holy place. No, I, I like that. No, this is the last place they want to be. It's boring. Their body's here. They don't want to be reminded they're dead. So I mean, that makes perfect sense in my mind. I wouldn't want to hang around a graveyard. You know, it's more exciting watching TV or s moving through someone's house or lagoon or uh, you know, an amusement park. Anywhere better than Yeah, I don't know anyone. That, well, <laughs> excuse me. I know a couple people that wouldn't mind hanging out in a graveyard. So uh, really, really interesting idea. And that's available now on Amazon and everything, audiobook or Kindle. It's not available on audiobook yet. It probably will be soon. Uh, most of it, most of my books are, but yeah, it's available on on Nook and Kindle and iBooks and Kobo and Hoo-Ha and He Ho and all the all the e-platforms. Yeah. So now I know if 
people have been listening for they they know this, but new listeners and that you're pretty much just self published. You don't go the traditional well, what is considered traditional, you know, get the publisher, the agent, and all that. You just do it all on your own. Yeah, um, it's I had tried to be traditional, but like seriously, what I tell people is, if you had rolled me in gold and then set fire to me and, and sent me into an agent's office or a publisher's office and said, if you will take him and put out the fire just to be human, you can keep the gold. They would have been like, uh-uh, he's terrible, and just shoved me out the door with a stick that was pointy at the end. And um, so no one took my work, and I finally just self-published it on Amazon. And six months later, it was one of their top 100 selling uh, Kindle products, not just books, but out of all their crossword puzzles and blogs and magazines and everything, it was, it was in the top 50, I think. Um, and so that was, it was wonderful, but it also was, was tremendously awful because it hit, gave me the, the huge handicap of thinking I knew what I was doing. And so my next book was, it was a good book, but it tanked because I was relying on all the wrong things. And, but I slowly, yeah, I built up kind of a following and, and um, this is what I do. I, I'm self-published and I write, that's my only day job and I quit my job as a lawyer and I am making down payments on the return of my soul. And uh, and I come to cons like this and meet you know cool people like you and we all hang out and it's a, it's a cool it's a cool job it's pants optional, the downside is the only job security you have is your current paycheck because you never know if you're going to be successful you know popular with people in a month or two months or six months, and that's scary. But that said, my wife likes me a lot better as a writer than she did as a lawyer, so <laughs> I'll, I'll keep doing it. Nice. So now you brought up a good point there. So. With writing, you know, you don't know if the next book is going to be successful or not, and that's going to be the end of your career, or who knows. So is that add a lot of stress when you're writing, or is you still have that freedom of like, hey, I, you know, I'm still going to write? Well, it, it, it's stressful when I'm thinking of the ideas, because I always try and have a hook. You know, today, now, a hundred years ago, you could write a book, and for the first eight to nine thousand pages, you didn't have to have an idea what was going on because you were just working out the pedigrees of you know, Mr. and Mrs. Darcy. Yeah. And now people require, right from the get-go, a really cool idea. So like I have a book called Strangers, and it's about a family that wakes up late, and they run to the front door to get out, you know, like we do when we're late, and stuffing muff a bagel in their mouths and drinking orange juice as they run. And the door won't open, so they run to the back door, and it won't open, and then the side door won't open. And so they go to the blinds, at which are over the windows, and they open them and someone's put sheet metal over all the windows. And it's a serial killer who wants to have some alone time with them. It's a hook, you know, it gets people, they can see the idea, they don't know the details, but like, this is an awesome setup. And that's what people want today. So when I'm thinking of an idea, I do sit down and go, okay, is this a good enough hook to keep people interested until the real story happens? And that is a little stressful, just kind of putting yourself in, in their shoes commercially. I know people that are like, I don't worry about that. I'm an artist, and I, I think they're just a-holes because either they're so self-centered they think everything they poop out is gold, or they've got some kind of a trust fund somewhere, or they are going to be out of this business very quickly because it's a business. You have to have a return on your time investment or else you're not going to be able to do it much longer. You'll be delivering pizza or you know, smoking crack or, God forbid, being a lawyer again. Yeah. So do you think that you need that hook 
because we've kind of gotten adjusted to having that that need for instant gratification. Because, I mean, we got comic book TV series and movies all delivered to us, like, right then and there. I, I you know, reading is, you know, you got to be hooked in immediately or otherwise it's not worth reading. I think the the first five pages is necessary for that. I think what the hook does, I that's because we're used to trailers, you know, movie trailers that are that are selling it to us in 30 seconds. We're used to TV and movie posters that show us an image, you know, uh, Michael Myers walking outside the house in his weird Captain Kirk mask, and that gives us a real kind of sense of what's happening. Or log lines, you know, oh, it's uh, Jaws meets, uh, you know, you've got mail, you know, and, it, and these kinds of really quick descriptions. And they sell movies, and they sell TV shows, and they sell books. And when marketers realized that they did, they started using it more and more. And so now that's the primary way that we decide what we're going to watch, unless it's a pre-purchased um, entity. Like people who go and watch the Hunger Games, they don't have to be sold on the concept of the Hunger Games because they already bought the book. Yeah. But other than that, if it's a new story, they want to know, Mr. and Mrs. Smith, well, it's a pair of assassins who are at the top of the world, married to each other, and they don't know they are. Whoa, how fun is that, you know? And so we're just used to digesting information that way. And so I want my information to be digestible, understandable, and easily relatable. So, yeah, I want that hook that way. Then they get into the first five pages, and I want them to be amazing, you know, just so fascinating, so interesting and such good characters and such good description that at that point, yes, they've got their instant gratification. They, and it's not so much like, oh, I got good stuff, but that they feel like I'm in the hands of someone who knows what he's doing. I understand a basic outlook, and from now on he can confuse the crap out of me until the very end, and I trust him. Because I'm going to. I'm going to throw side curves at him, uh, curveballs at him. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to toss him left and right and hope they don't know what's happening until the very last sentence where I reveal everything and how it all puts together, and they're going to go, man, why didn't I realize that, and hit themselves in the head, and then go, and where's his next book? Um, and that's the funnest thing is when I get a call like from an email from the f a fan who's griping me out because they can't believe they didn't see it was all going to be this way in the end. No, I mean, those are the movies that I love the most, uh, like The Prestige, when they did that the, that screwball at the very end. So you're just like, good. you know, because the whole movie, I'm like, oh, no, it's this, it's this. And then at the very, very end, it's just that screwball right in there. And I'm like, I didn't see that yeah. at all. Yeah, the prestige was – my wife and I were watching that in the theater, and we almost walked out because it's about these two guys who were just being – they're one-upping each other on the mean scale, and it got almost hard to watch because they're being so awful. We almost stood up and left just – not because it was a bad movie, just because it was too hard to watch. And we stayed, and at the end I was going we – I was so glad we stayed because it was – it wasn't just a twist ending. It was like one twist after another after another – and those twists made you re-examine the entire movie and realize it was there the whole time. Yeah. And those are the best movies. That's the difference between a twist and a revelation, actually. A twist is like turning it sideways and making you re-examine it. And a revelation is where they give you the last piece of information to say, didn't you see it? And you look through and you go, oh, my goodness, it was, it was there. They gave me all the clues already. It's not a twist because... A twist is where they give you new information. The revelation is where they just say, look back and, and spot all this stuff. Just look back again. Yeah. 
and you realize it was there from the get-go. And those are the most fun where you look at an author and go, man, you're smart. And of course the author is because he's written it for a year and you've only invested two hours. So hopefully he's a little smarter on the subject than you are. But, but he looks brilliant for a moment. And, and hopefully when a person finishes reading one of my books, they go, oh boy, that Michael Rick Collins, he's really smart. You know, and they don't know that my wife has to dress me in the morning and lace my shoes up. All right. Well, I'm going to leave it at that. <laughs> so I get, let, let's let everyone know where they can find your books because uh, you're not in the traditional you know, brick-and-mortar stores. Right. So um, You can go, first of all, my first name is Michael Brent, and it's all one word, story for another time, but it's not because I have a solid gold stick up my butt. It's my parents' fault. Um, so if you just Google Michael Brent, you're going to find me. Or you can go to michaelbrentcallings.com. Or you can go to my webpage, you know, just search Michael Brent Callings on Amazon and you'll find my, my books there. Ditto on Nook or Kobo or any of the, the e-book sellers. And you can find my books on paperback as well, so that's not too hard. Um, so any of those methods is the easiest way. Or my website, michaelbrentcallings.com. Right. So if you want a good scare, you want to be freaked out, you want a reason to keep your lights on at night, <laughs> pick up one of these books because obviously you will. And with that, uh, we will catch you next time. And that was the amazing Michael Brent Collings. Uh, great guy. Amazing, amazing author. And uh, if you haven't picked up his stuff, you need to. Uh, he's got horror, science fiction, mystery, and he's also got some fantasy books out there. Uh, but he's really well known for his horror novels. Uh, he's got a little bit of everything uh, for you uh, to pick up. So if you need, just do a Google search, Michael Brent Collings. And it's Michael Brent, one word. And uh, you'll be able to pick, find him on Amazon or on Google and uh, check, be able to check out his books. Not only that, uh, you know, this is going to be kind of a shorter episode just because we're bringing you a really big uh, show this Thursday. We're going to have uh, author Taryn James on the show. Not only that, if you, come, if you are local, come down to Gamers Inn because uh, Taryn will be doing a book signing here uh, at Gamers Inn. And then we will have the Geek Media guys on, and then we'll be wrapping the show up with Mike Underwood, the guy that brought you Celebromancy, Geekomancy, and so much more. Uh, we'll be talking with him about his new book, so I, it's going to be it's going to be an hour and a half show, but, so that's why we're giving you a 30-minute show this evening. So it's going to be action-packed, it's going to be lots of fun and excitement, and, uh, and then we'll be back to the swing of things with interviews and gaming and all sorts of fun stuff coming your way. And again... Uh, more details will be rolling out as uh, things start solidifying with our cool news, and we'll be moving forward with that. So with that said, uh, please check out our Facebook page, check out Twitter, or like us on Facebook, check out our Facebook page, uh, follow us on Twitter, uh, and check out our YouTube videos of all of our celebrity interviews. We'll be uh, pushing out a few more interviews that we got here from Elena Huffman, Mark Pellingrew, as well as Brendan Routh, and some really cool footage we got from FanX uh, with um, Felicia Day, uh, Brendan Routh, and uh, the Lannister twins, and we might be able to get uh, and some audio from Carrie Fisher panel, as well as um, the uh, Billy Piper panel. So, I mean, there's some cool stuff that we've been able to wrangle up for you. We'll be bringing that to you here in the days to come and you know as always like 
a guy named Joe says, good night world, good night Salt Lake, and get more Premier Games.